Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts. I'm Michael Futter. And I'm Amanda Farrow. On each episode, we'll bring you analysis of the biggest business beats and video gaming news. This is episode 167. Did Microsoft trigger the FTC's trap card? Did it, did it, did it, did it, duel! All right, before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Magic Mind, a supplement shot that includes ingredients to lower your stress, reduce fatigue, and boost your immune system. All right, we got we have so many earnings. Yeah, it's earnings season, and actually this may be the only... Well, no, that's not true, because GameStop's going to do a thing, and everybody else... Remedy like, will do a thing. Remedy will do a thing, but this is like the bulk of the earnings. So for... it's an earnings episode that desperately and deeply frustrated me in ways that it has not desperately and deeply frustrated me before. Yep. Don't worry. You'll get there with us. Yep. We absolutely. Promise. But we are going to kick off our earnings season with EA. All right. EA had a strong third quarter, which covers October through December 2023, a.k.a. that all-important holiday quarter. A total revenue climbed about 3.5% to $1.945 billion for the quarter. For the quarter. Jesus. That's a lot of money. That is so much money. I know. Uh, full game revenue dropped less than a percent. So it was practically flat at $618 million. Live services, oh, however, more than made is. up for that, increasing 5.4% to $1.327 billion. For those keeping track, live services were about 68% of total revenue. There was a time, and it wasn't that long ago, there was a time where it was below 50-50. Well, that was digital. So one of the things that I was watching way back when I was a Game Informer, so around 2014, 2015, we started hitting that point where more than 50% of revenue was coming from digital sales. No, I know that, but I'm thinking of like the live service game. No, I, I know. And now, and now we're looking at the entire digital pie, right? right? Which is more than full game. Obviously, we've had this transition there was a time where we didn't have a delineation between full game revenue and recurrent revenue. It's, it was, so, it's so interesting to me because like we we'll, we have to have this conversation at some point and mm-hmm. like hit us up if you want to have this conversation at like GDC or something. We we want to talk about like how we define what a game is, a, what a surface game actually is. Oh, that's a big thing. And this kind of sprung out of that story that 95% of developers are working on a live service game. Now, remember, live service games can include what we traditionally think of when someone says live service game. That's your either premium or free to play game with a battle pass, with a what you see is what you get. Cosmetic store Fortnite being a good example, Destiny 2 being Never another good example. That. Fork knife? You've never heard I've of fork knife? I've never heard of fork knife. Uh, do you just eat with your hands? I do. At medieval times? <laughs> <laughs> After I put my crown on. After you put your crown on. But live service games also count things like No Man's Sky, yeah. which was a game, which is a game that is sold at an entry price point, has no paid expansions, and is constantly being updated. That also counts as a live service game. So we need we, better definitions. We definitely folks. need better definitions and we need subcategories at this point because yeah. there are so many different business models that fall under that games as a service umbrella that just saying, hey, games as a service doesn't really cut it. Okay, let's move on let's and move talk on. about netbookings though. And before we get into netbookings, yes. let's talk about what netbookings are. Okay, I'm going to read the definition that EA provides. Uh, take two provides a similar definition and then kind of break it down into the very simple stuff. Please All right. do. 
Net bookings is defined as the net amount of products and services sold digitally or sold in physically in the period. Net bookings is calculated by adding total net revenue to the change in deferred net revenue for online enabled games. Essentially what this means, and I'm not going to get into why there's deferred revenue for online games and, and all of that We're not going to talk about sold in versus sold through either. We have beaten that mm. dead horse too many times. Yes. However, we are going to be talking about it later in this episode. Oh no! I spoke too soon. So, effectively, when sold in and sold through no longer became good definitions because we moved away from physical being the predominant way to distribute video games, we needed something to kind of encompass both sold in physical and all of the digital stuff and recognizing revenue related to large bulk sales of in-game currency or if you're buying a season pass, you can yeah. only recognize certain amounts of revenue because uh, you have an obligation to deliver against that revenue so it can't be recognized yep. until you deliver. All that stuff. So net bookings are kind of our big catch-all for what used to just be very simple sold in versus sold through. Absolutely. All right. So net bookings for the third quarter were up just 1% year over year to $2.366 billion. Live service and other net bookings were up 3% year over year to $1.712 billion. You're seeing the story kind of crystallize here. You really are. EA, not a surprise. Ultimate Team being a key driver of live service, of live service revenue and yep. live service net bookings continues to be such an important mechanism for that company to stay afloat. Yeah. So along those lines, EA Sports FC is off to a great start for the franchise with net bookings up 7% against last year, which was a World Cup year. That's actually now, kind this of is, impressive. This is really impressive. So remember that the very last FIFA, so FIFA 23, mm -hmm. um, was not only a World Cup game. It was a special version It was a special version of the game, which had AFC Richmond from Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. Now it used to be that uh, the World Cup years were branded as World Cup. This one wasn't. It was just EAFC. I actually pulled out our copy because um, we started playing a lot of multiplayer games, like casual multiplayer games with the kids. Anyway, um, so that's kind of huge. Madden NFL net bookings increased 5% year over year. So we continue to see EA Sports FC being up top. Yep. Madden being underneath it. Yep. NHL is still an important tentpole for... Uh, for EA, but not as important as those two. Very sorry to tell you that, Mary. Yeah, uh, I know you. This do. is not my surprise. I know, this is my I know. not surprise face. Like I know this. But in addition, the Sims franchise is also still going strong. Strong now to see it. It's not just Sims Four; it's Sims Free Play. Oh, that's right. So and so both of them are major contributors. Um, so engagement is up thirty percent. That's measured in playtime hours for the full calendar twenty twenty three compared to twenty twenty two. That's actually really amazing. It is. They still continue to... Ma Maxis is doing re Great stuff. really good stuff there. Yeah, really, really good stuff. And the way they engage their creators as well mm -hmm. has been has been a pretty decent beacon. Um, another interesting thing here, Battlefield 2042 is recovering with player count up 17% in calendar 2023. Now, remember, unfortunately, though, this is the second time that EA has had to dig itself out of a hole with a know. game coming from DICE, the last time being Battlefield. Battlefront 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, launched to very low net promoter score when we when I interviewed Andrew Wilson for Game Daily back at E3 2018. It was 18 or 19? I think it was 18. Um, Might have been 19. Doesn't matter. It was yeah. one of those two years. It was, it was, yeah. It was, it was whichever year years. they doxed, the ESA doxed everyone. That would be 2019. Okay. 
Because I went to Gen Con that year and I got doxxed at Gen Con. Well, you didn't get doxxed at Gen. You found out about the doxing <laughs> while you were at Gen Con. Let's not let's not Sorry, accuse Gen bad, Con bad. of this. No, no, no. We're all Gen trying Con to find that. the guy who did this, and it's the ESA. Yeah. Um. So EA also reconfirmed that NCAA football is returning this summer, which is absolutely huge. It's yeah, that's that's pretty big stuff. I mean. You're you're obviously you have been a football fan, mm-hmm. an American football I, I'm fan. I'm not a huge years. like I did not go to a Division one uh, football school, so football was not a huge part of my college career. Like NFL was, that's where I became, you know, my best friend in college was huge uh, at the time. Oakland Raiders fan, um, and I became a Raiders fan because I watched with him, and I mean I was still a Giants fan because I'm from Jersey, and I also like the Jets. You can like both. The Giants and the Jets. It is not very easy Stay to like focused. both the Yankees and the Mets. So that's a whole different story. That's, that's a different kind of get at me another that time. We don't that we don't talk about. So, the fact that NCAA football is coming back all of these years after the lawsuits about player compensation and mm-hmm. player likenesses yeah, is yeah, huge. Yeah. Like this is, I I there is probably going to be an amazing story about navigating all of this. That comes out. But I did actually cover the story about the lawsuits when I was at Game Informer with the help of Matt Cotto, who was our sports expert on staff. Um, All right. Now. Okay. Now Now, now we get into into some other stuff that's going on. A couple things to note. EA, unsurprising here as well. They are leaning into their existing portfolio. Don't expect a lot of risk-taking from EA. In fact, don't expect a lot of risk-taking from anybody this year. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more because some companies actually report how many games are in their pipeline across different categories, and boy, the numbers have changed a lot. A little bit. Now, EA is repurchasing $325 million worth of stock during this quarter, or repurchased, rather, in the previous quarter, Q3. As a reminder, EA laid off 200 QA testers in February 2023, 800 people in March 2023, and conducted additional layoffs at Codemasters late last year. We're going to see this a lot. This is payoffs for layoffs, and shareholders are eating well while labor goes hungry. I There needs to be some kind of reform, governmental reform about stock buybacks. And remember, stock buybacks, uh, This we were having this conversation at home, were not sure. legal uh, before Reagan. So now you've got these stock buyback <sighs> programs, which enrich investors by making each share more valuable. So you're reducing the number of shares that are out in the market I mean, which in, without changing the value of the company. So every share it's fascinating uh, from just from like a mechanical perspective but like you said this is shareholders eating well while labor goes hungry this is awful it is awful and we're going to see it again and again and again we have at least one or two more in here that we're going to be talking about uh so to wrap up ea profits climbed a massive 42 percent to 290 million dollars the industry is in crisis, and I want to know how exe- how executives are looking to safeguard the medium, not just their piles of loot. And this is the thing that we haven't seen, and, I, and I've and i mentioned this. I think I might have mentioned it on the last episode. I know I've mentioned it in passing with friends. Um, why aren't we seeing an, a council formed in the industry? And where's the ESA in all this? I mean, we know that the ESA, the ESA. exists to protect publisher interests and That's therefore correct. doesn't really care. No. I have a lot of problems with the with industry executives watching the medium crumble and burn under the weight of their own hubris. And greed. And greed. And not doing anything to safeguard the future of the medium. 
safeguard the future of the medium and safeguard the future of all of these kids that have gone to school yeah for game design for game development for and now i'm seeing kids coming out of school with narrative design backgrounds which i just there's no like narrative jobs especially are few and far between as you I, I definitely know that very well. It's it's not something that's easy to to, to crack into. But I yeah. mean, that's a completely, that's another story for another time. But it is very important to recognize that we see it. We see this. We've seen it for years. We have rightfully called to attention payoffs for layoffs. And while we are definitely don't even remotely consider ourselves watchdogs, we are just very loud people. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on to Microsoft, which for the first time ever uh, posted a market cap of $3, three trillion dollars. Trillion dollars, making it one of the most highly valued companies in the world. Additionally, uh, that was the same week where Microsoft, it was within days of Microsoft days. laying off 1,900 people. That's correct. All we right. will never stop beating that drum. Nope, take us through it. Let's go through it. As we do with all large companies, let's look at what's going on in the full company first for Q2 of fiscal 24. Revenue was up 18% year over year to $62 billion. Uh, the operating operating income was up 33% to $27 billion. So on now we'll, we'll kind of pull it back. We'll take a look at this segment for more personal computing, which houses gaming. So more personal computing sat at $16.9 billion, which is up 19% year over year. It is important to note that 15% of this is because of the ABK acquisition. Okay, so let me be clear though. Their revenue went up organically 4%. 4%. Which is in not this huge, economy, but in, yes, in this economy. It's big. That's a big And jump. mind you, this is before. The cutting expenses related yep. to 1,900 people losing their jobs. That is correct. Let's continue because yes. it gets worse. No, I, you understand why I was really angry. And I had a very brief moment in our Discord where I got mad and then I deleted it. Oh, you deleted that? I did. I did. I was really upset. Um. Anyway, let's it, She was very sick of all these snakes on these points. On these points. Yeah, I was definitely it. sick of all these snakes on this freaking plane. Yeah. Um, gaming revenue grew 49% year over year, 44% of which is from the ABK Activision. Again, our ABK 5%. acquisition. 5% organic growth. 5%. Xbox content and services revenue was also up 6% organically. 6% organically. So 61% overall, 55% of which is because of the ABK acquisition. Xbox hardware itself grew 3% year over year. We're seeing serious growth here in the middle of a very depressed economy. Oh, hold on. We saw 3% Recessed. growth in hardware. And, and we will we will be talking about this just a little bit. Something is happening this week with Microsoft. On the we 15th, on the 15th, they're releasing a podcast with Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, and Matt Booty talking about the future of the Xbox brand after The Verge broke huge news that was a report and now yep. seems to have been confirmed in some way, shape, or form just by a non-statement from Phil Spencer. It's like, oh, we'll talk about this in you know next week. I almost threw my phone across. But so by the way, that. that's on Thursday. So it is a, they're letting a week and a half go by between the report that Microsoft is going to be putting key mem key pieces of its 
exclusive portfolio on other platforms. That's what we're talking about. I think, I assume I put this in the show notes somewhere, but. Uh, but that's fine. Even if yeah. you didn't, we're talking about it now. Yeah. So if this is still important. Okay. Yep. So I want, I want you to keep all of these numbers in mind. Okay. Cause those are a lot of numbers. Let's move on to some of the key comments from the call from both CEO Satya Nadella and CFO Amy Hood. So according to Nadella, and this is a direct quote, we set all-time records for monthly active users on Xbox, PC, as well as mobile. We now have over 200 million monthly active users alone, inclusive of Activision Blizzard King. Hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Yep. We're going to move on to what Amy Hood had to say. We expect Xbox content and services revenue growth in the low to mid 50s, driven by approximately 50 points of net impact from the acquisition of from the Activision acquisition. So the flip flop of this is somewhere probably in the neighborhood of four to six percent organic. Four to six percent. Yes, exactly. That's big in this yeah. economy. It's big, and I said I mistakenly said that we were in a depressed economy. We are in a recessed. Okay. Yep, yep. I know. Yes, this is. It's not depressed. The market, the mar- the the video game industry is is probably careening towards depression. I don't know. You talk to a lot of people. I think they're already there. Different yep. kind of depression. Like you're thinking. Of- <laughs> the mental health toll this is taking on an entire industry is yeah. a completely other conversation. I mean, Elmo gets it now. Yeah, Elmo. Should- <laughs> oh God, Elmo should not have asked that question. <laughs> And if you don't know what we're talking about, we encourage you to go read the stories. However, the important Mike is losing his mind over there, over his absolute nonsense. The important thing here, though, is if you are one of those game developers and you have gone through layoffs, you're not alone. And Take This has a number of mental health resources specifically tailored to folks that are undergoing having to look for work in this economy. So you're not alone. And if you need to talk, take this as there. There are lots of mental health resources out there. Safe in our world is also very useful. So just know you're not alone. Okay? Yep. So all of that to say doesn't really seem to account for the 1,900 people they laid off in a single week, huh? Yeah. And we will, I mean, should I just move this story up and just Yeah, talk let's about do it. Let's, all just, right. let's just do it now. So Microsoft goes and lays off 1,900 people. They sure did. And we talked about this last week. I guess. Yeah, we talked about yeah, it last we're, week. Yeah, we're mostly on a weekly cadence. Yeah, last episode we talked about it. Yeah. Um, the FTC sees this and sends a letter to the 9th District, which is currently reviewing the appeal. Correct. About Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Yep. Um, and in that letter says, hey, Microsoft said that it was not going to, that it was going to let Activision Blizzard operate independently. independently. And then they just laid off 1,900 people. How is that going to make it possible should the 9th District say, hey, you got to divest? How is that going to make it possible for that to happen? We think an injunction injunction is necessary right now. This is what we meant by the trap card. Like, hey, we remember you saying this and now you're acting like you can do whatever you want because... And you can't. And you can't. They can't, they, and you know what, like we said in our last episode, we were wrong. Yep. We were wrong. We were wrong. We had and this a, is a very different tone than when we talked about the FTC uh, during, during Well, everything. because the thing that we were most focused on at the beginning of all of this nonsense is that there were all, all, from all of the labor reports of how 
awful it was to work at all of these studios. Well, and of course, the reports that even came out this last week about the way people were mistreated by Blizzard. Oh my gosh. Those, those, those threads on Twitter were just Heartbreaking. So, I mean, just quickly to sum up, the one that the one that made my jaw hit the floor was the one about the, I guess he was an artist, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Hey, they want to give they wanted to give me a promotion, and they wanted to make me, you know, give me direct reports, and we had an agreement that they were going to work out the title, and we were going to work out the pay stuff, and months later, no pay increase. They denied that they ever agreed to give him one, yeah, and then ultimately." Like he ended up walking out the door because they screwed him. Oh, and then they tried to, inf- and then they enforced a non compete for three months because he because he he was now a manager, even though he didn't he was doing the responsibilities, but he didn't get the title, he didn't get the pay for it. I don't in the United States. I I think that wouldn't have held up, but absolutely bananas. Uh, it's so when we were to be really and entirely crystal clear, that was what we were focused on. So, we were focused on it from a labor perspective yes. because what we cared about and what we continue to care about is the people. This industry does not go without people. Games are made by people. They are played by people. We are all in this together in one way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. And what we were most concerned about was making sure that these studios were not nearly as toxic as they currently are. Yeah. I. And we were wrong. Yeah. We were absolutely wrong. Yep. Absolutely. Because we didn't have, and I mean, quite frankly, I was naive about it. I can, I can, I know myself. I'm absolutely always going to be that person where I'm just very optimistic. And that's not what played out here. But you know what? Fool me once. Yep. Uh, so the, uh, so Microsoft did respond and said, well, not all, like, you know, we, we said that it was due to, due to responsibility overlap, but they could still be spun off. If this, if the court thinks that that's appropriate, and like, but Activision was going to lay these people off anyway, and that made I think they the were case. probably going to do layoffs. I don't know in what volume. I don't think it would necessarily have had been at this volume. Yep. But would Activision Blizzard pull another nonsense, cold blooded move like they did back in 2019 again? Sure, I absolutely agree. I think that Kodak would have just gleefully axed a bunch of people and blamed everybody but himself. Uh-huh. I think that that absolutely would have been the case. But I I don't know what the scale would have looked like. We don't know what the scale would have looked like. All we know is what we're seeing, the data in front of us and the data in front of us says they were not at least from our perspective, it didn't seem like they were being particularly truthful. Correct. I agree 100%. All right. So that that covers that story which we wrote up for later in the show. Moving on. Moving on. Capcom. Let's talk about Capcom. Capcom, one of the most solid publishers out there right now. That's correct. So a Japanese company reporting for the first nine months of fiscal 24. It's the way Japanese companies typically report. They don't report quarter by quarter. They report cumulatively through the fiscal year. Yep. They report on their trailing quarters. Yep. So Capcom is having a strong year. Net sales were up 33% year over year to 106.2 billion yen or $715.6 million. Operating income climbed 43.1% to 49.5 billion yen or $333.4 million. And net income jumped 46.7% to 34.6 billion yen or $233.4 million. Unlike Microsoft, this is all organic. It is indeed. Yep. So digital contents, which is where the video games live, 
Net revenue was up 33% to 81.4 billion yen or $548.9 million. Operating income was up 36.8% to 47.4 billion yen or $319.2 million. Unit sales were up from 29.1 million for the first nine months of 20, fiscal 23 to 32.6 million for the first nine months of fiscal 24. Dang. Catalog sales hit 26.7 million units compared to 22 million last year. And as we mentioned, Monster Hunter World is having a resurgence thanks to the announcement of Monster Hunter Wilds. Resident Evil 4 continues to put up strong numbers, hitting almost 6.5 million units sold nine months after its launch. Now, the one thing that I do want to throw in here is Capcom did have a big old L recently. They kind of did, yeah. They added a new form of DRM called Enigma to a bunch of titles, like a lot of older titles. Yeah. And it's broken Steam Deck compatibility for them. It's actually really hampered performance. And people went to the forums of the company that makes the DRM and they're like, why is it our problem? Dang. So I, I really want Capcom to address this. They, there was a big thing uh, where where Monster Hunter, no, Monster Hunter Rise stopped working on Steam Deck. And people- Oh, super. People freaking flipped out, understandably. So I think I... that has since gotten fixed. But not not a good situation, um, especially great. as they're running. I still might buy that that Mega Man bundle that's on Humble that James and I were both eyeballing. Yeah, the two of you were both eyeballing it. Well, that's how the conversation came up is that James yeah. was going to get it. And then he went and did some digging and he's like, whoa. Why are these is, all mostly negative? Like all of the reviews right now are mostly negative. negative. You know, so he went and he did some digging into it. And he's actually the one that flagged it for us. Yeah, I'm, which and I'm was, glad he did. And I've started poking at it a little bit. It does like, not look like there's any progress. I, I really hope they fix this because it's it's a, it's a bad look. It is very bad. Um, running through the rest of Capcom, Arcade Ops, uh, net sales were up 21.9% to 13.8 billion yen or $93.3 million. Operating income jumped 52.6% to 1.55 billion yen or $10.4 million. All right, our, arcades are back on up. Yep. Amusement equipment net sales were up 116.8% to 8.02 billion yen or $54.1 million. Operating income was up 120.5% to 4.56 million yen or 30 point, uh, billion yen or $30.7 million. So other business was the only one that was down. That's licensing and merch and everything. Net sales were down 14.7% to 2.88 billion yen or $19.4 million. Operating income was down 47.4% to 642 million yen or $4.3 million. It's such a small portion of everything they do that it doesn't make a huge impact. Um, Capcom says it's going to continue pursuing movie and TV adaptations, which have driven a lot of this, Mm -hmm. uh, and expand Street Fighter esports efforts. Well, I mean, I love to see that. I mean, the the Street Fighter community specifically within the FGC is so wholesome. Yes. It's so wholesome. Like I, if I were, if I had a, a want to play fighting games competitively, I would play Street Fighter 6. It is rare to hear that uh, an FGC community is wholesome. though. But that's, that's been the, the, I don't know what your impressions have been. My impressions like, go way, go like back a while ago where it was like. No, I mean specifically around six, though. Like, oh, okay. I, it, I'm not even talking about Street Fighter in general. Like, I'm talking about six specifically. Like, the folks that play six are just, I don't know. They seem to be much more welcoming to newcomers. Well, that's good. So that's that's my anecdotal impression. Anyway, and it does from... mirror the title itself, which is much actually. That's the the latest crop of fighting games I've noticed. 
Um, Tekken 8 mm-hmm. is very welcoming to newcomers. Street Fighter 6, very Still welcoming Still deeply to technical, though. Holy yep. smokes. I always forget how technical Tekken is. Yep. And then King of Fighters uh, 15 was also very welcoming to new players. The, you know how we measure this is we put our youngest daughter in front of these games and we're like, all right, so what's the level of approachability for this particular title? Yep. So anyway. All right. Good stuff um, over at Capcom minus the DRM L, but that is a rare L for Capcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing in our spate of Japanese companies that have reported, let's talk about Nintendo. So this is Nintendo's earnings for the first nine of fiscal 24. It's a solid, solid trailing nine for Nintendo. Net sales were sitting are, are sitting steady at 1.4 trillion yen or $9.34 billion, which is up 7% year over year. Again, this is all organic. Operating profit grew 13.1% year over year to 464.4 billion yen or $3.11 billion US. Now, there's not much fluctuation, rather, in where Nintendo's global revenue is coming from. There were some fewer folks, somewhat fewer folks in America buying from Nintendo compared to last year, but it's not, it's negligible. Mm -hmm. Fewer Switches were sold in this trailing nine versus last year, so there's 7.8% fewer year over year, to be exact. The Nintendo Switch Lights are definitely not moving much anymore. Mm -hmm. Not many people are purchasing those, um, especially in comparison to the early days of lockdown. The OLED is still selling well. So that's the model that people are going off and they're buying these days. And Nintendo thinks that its Switch fortunes will improve. It's raised hardware forecasting by 500,000 units to 1.5 million units for the year ending in March, uh, ending on rather March 31st. Mm. Software is also down year over year by 4.7%. There's no real movement in the top selling software. Like there, sometimes we see in the top 10 that there are these upsets in mm-hmm. software. Not so much this time around. Um, Super Mario Wonder is has now sold through 10.7 million units. It's now the fastest selling Super Mario game in history. And you know how Mike said that we were going to talk about sell-in versus sell-through? And I love that you put this in here for me, by the way. I thought this was really perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so for those who still love their sell-in versus sell-through math, Nintendo says it has shipped 12 million units of the game. So... 10.7 million units have been sold through versus the 12 million units that have been sold in. And I'm sure that that 12 million is inclusive of digital units that are considered both sold in and sold through at the same that's time. Very, that's because they very don't do the fair. net bookings game. <laughs> that's so Nintendo's still fair. like very focused on selling and sell through. Absolutely. Um, I love that I went into these notes and Mike like supplemented them really beautifully mm-hmm. with some additional flavor and character. I love it when that happens. Like I come in and I'm like, oh, he did my conversions for me. Oh, and he added more things. Oh, this is beautiful. Thank you. You're most welcome. This is what happens when you have a bad brain week and, and you have right. a great partner. Uh, Square Enix for the first nine months of fiscal 24. Net revenue was up ever so slightly to point by 0.8%. Oh, man. Wolf. Yeah, to 257.6 billion yen or 1.74 billion dollars. Operating income dropped significantly. It's down 15.5% to 34.9 billion yen or 236 million dollars. Net profit took a 42.3% nosedive. All organic, by the way. <laughs> down uh 26.8 billion dollars. Okay. Or so- a bit billion yen or 181 million. Actually, I'm not entirely sure. I'm wondering, when did they sell those studios to Embracer? Years ago. 
It's years Multiple ago. Now? Of them. Okay. Yeah, it was. It in wasn't a year ago, right? No, 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 no. Okay. I just wanted to double check myself because actually, no, that's that, 2022. That could have been an organic decrease. No, no, no. It was in 2022 okay. because it was shortly after you and I, after we moved into the new house. Okay. So that's All when that right. happened. Okay. So Mike. Yes. When we talk about some of these Japanese companies, some of them talk more strongly about their operating profit and their net profit. What is the difference between net profit and operating profit? So net profit is going to be inclusive of of ev- like literally everything it's mm-hmm. going to be any interest that's gained it's going to be um any fx potentially that's so that's foreign exchange yep um operating income is, is really or any extraordinary write-offs or windfalls potentially so if there's a ta- change in the tax code that suddenly benefits them mm-hmm. like that's not going to be included in operating that's going to hit that's going to get down to net okay operating is really just your normal operations right that is probably your best comparative measure year over year. So when we look at this, yes, net profit's important. That's a good measure of health, but operating profit or operating loss is really important. Um, It is really important to better understand how the company is running year over year. Absolutely. So let's talk about digital entertainment, which is where where, uh, pretty much all their gaming lives, which is inclusive of three different categories. That's HD, MMO, and mobile. Mm-hmm. HD game sales were up from the same point last year, driven by, unsurprisingly, Final Fantasy 16. Sorry. Uh, MMO sales sorry. fell, but that should actually pick up. We're in a spot where you would expect things to, to dip just a bit. It has to dip because, quite frankly, Dawn Trail is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see an uptick in the, leading, in the three months leading up to Dawn Trail as yep. people come back, they finish off the other content and then they they get themselves ready for dawn trail absolutely uh also dragon quest 10 which is only available in japan is getting an expansion um we are seeing a trend from square enix their mobile titles are hurting and we've seen this quarter after quarter after quarter we've seen this for at least two years oh longer than that longer so what's happening is new games are unable to make up for for normal diminishing uh engagement and revenue on older titles part of the reason for that is the business model Uh of the way that of specifically of the way that square enix approaches a lot of them are gotcha a lot of them are gotcha and like it's 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 hit or miss right like some people really love gotcha games some people i don't like them very much they tend to just stress me out i don't like that business model it doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for a lot of Western gamers, as Western players and consumers as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's 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 hit or miss. And quite frankly, mobile has been fairly depressed over the last 18 months, specifically. Yep. So this is not doing Square Enix any favors. Right. So overall, digital entertainment revenue was down 2.5% to 179.6 billion yen or $1.21 billion. And operating income was down more than 20%. Uh, jumping through the rest of this, sales were up for amusement. Uh, sales were up nearly 10% to 44.8 billion yen or $302.9 million. Operating income was up 31.7%. Publications, sales were up 8% to 22.7 billion yen or $153.5 million. Operating income was up 7.2%. Merchandise, sales were up 4.2% to 12.4 billion yen or $83.8 million. Operating income was up 14.3%. 
So while amusement publications and merchandise all had strong quarters or or, are doing strong through the first nine months of the year, Mm -hmm. digital entertainment is the largest portion of Square Enix's operations. And therefore, even though everything else was up and these were down, what ended up happening was we were just about flat on net revenue, but operating income was down and net profits were down significantly. Right. We are going to see a turnaround in fortunes, however, this I would imagine by next quarter. When does the next installment of Final Fantasy VII Remake come out? It's fairly soon, right? Uh, it is Feb- February 29th. It's so, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, excellent. It is, yeah, and it'll have a solid month in the fiscal year. I think things are going to turn around. Um, I think that game's going to sell well, unsurprisingly. It will. Uh, it had a very strong showing at State of Play. Uh, the demo is apparently very good. That's great. Uh, everybody loves yellow paint, Dave Oshry. David. 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 <laughs> Shit stirring all Absolutely. over the internet. Shit posting turning into discourse. Oh boy. <laughs> but anyway, like I, I think that this is this is just it's a regular dip. I mean, this happens, right? Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy VII remake has become a tentpole title for Square Enix. We're they're they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be just fine. Anything else that you want to say about Square Enix? That is it. Um, yeah, I I just wish more Japanese companies would look at what Capcom's doing and and not look at NFTs and stuff. Now, Cap again, I just want to point out, Capcom is practically abusive with the MTX on some of the games, like Monster Hunter. Oh and, my goodness gracious, yes. Like I hundreds mean, of dollars of cosmetic DLC. You know what, but if people buy them, if people buy them, oh no. Mikey's people. I'm people. Oh no, he's people. Don't tell him. I won't tell him that he's people. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna move on. Move on. Let's talk about Paradox's earnings for Q4 and full year of fiscal 23 because Paradox operates on a calendar year. Yes. So for Q4 first, revenue was up 72% year over year to 995.6 million sec or $95.3 million US. Operating profit was up 49% to 123.9 million sec or $11.9 million. The increase is due to pretty hefty write downs amounting to 175.8 million sec or $16.8 million US. Reven- I know, it's, it, it's ridiculous. More canceled games. More canceled games. Revenue mainly attributed this quarter to City Skylines 2, which came out on PC, Crusader Kings 3, Hearts of Iron 4, Lamplighters League, which came out on PC and Xbox, as well as Stellaris. Paradox was careful to note that they wrote down Lamplighters League's Lamplighter, Lamplighters League um, remaining development cost amounting to 250.4 million sec or $24 million in costs against profit. Now, just remember, the reason why you take an action like that is to take the loss all at once and you're saying, we do not expect to recover this game. We're letting investors know now we're taking this as a loss. And if you do that strategically, if you do that in a moment where the rest of your finances are good, you've got that cushion to bounce off of when you're when you're taking that extraordinary loss. Which they do. Yep. All right, so it's new DLC all over the place for those existing games. And as a reminder, Hairbrain Schemes, which is the studio behind Lamplighters League, is no longer a part of Paradox as of the end of 2023. It was announced back in October of last year. Yep. Now, this is a studio that has released three amazing Shadowrun games, Battletech, 
storied, an absolutely storied studio that has given us beautiful games for many, many years, and we'll get there. Yeah. For the full year for Paradox, revenue was at 2.642 billion sec or $253 million US, which is an increase of 34% year over year. Operating profit was down 26% to 657.9 million sec or $63 million. Write downs of 185.4 million sec or $17.8 million is responsible for that. Now, it is really, really, really important for me to say that this next part really upset me, which is why I kind of lost my temper <laughs> oh. and then deleted it um, in our in our Discord because I didn't want that energy in there. Y'all didn't need to bear witness to my frustration. So this is a direct comment from CEO Fred Wester. We have set a new revenue record in the full year and in the quarter. We have stably more than 6 million players and we end the year with a very strong financial position. At the same time, we are unable to relax. Number cannot go up forever. I will not say the last part of what I actually wrote. This is the reason why we don't share our show notes. I am so mm. exhausted by this insidious growth mindset that is costing people their livelihoods. They laid off, Paradox laid off 80% of Harebrain's people and then severed the relationship. They cut and run without consequence. We're in a very strong financial position, never ceases to frustrate me among mass layoffs. It yeah. is ghoulish. It is. And... We see it a lot. We do. and We, we see, see it, it all the time. It's either well, in the direct payoff for layoffs. It's in comments like this. It's in, we need to just keep growing, 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 growing. We're going to sit on top of our pile of money. Yeah. That's what this feels like. This feels like a bunch of dragons hoarding their wealth and not being held accountable for any of the decisions that they either fostered or that they oversaw. Your mm -hmm. job as CEO is to be a steward. It is to be a guide. Oy. And you are the person at the end of the day, you are ultimately responsible. Wow. Except that CEOs are never ultimately responsible. And they are always stewards for shareholders. Yes, they are. And for so many reasons, taking your company public is such a gamble. Yep. All right. Moving on to take two. Anyway, that's why I got really angry. Yeah, that's understandable. Take two, this is Q3 for fiscal 24. It is. Uh, have I ever mentioned how difficult it is to do year over year comparisons for take two? I mean, you've told that to me, but I'm not sure we've ever talked about it on the show before. So it was in the press release, but when you actually look at the financial documents and the, and the webcast presentation and all that stuff, mm -hmm. there's no, here's what the numbers were in, you know a year ago and here's mm -hmm. what they are now. Right. And it's very frustrating. So I typically have to pull up like go and manually pull up last year's numbers and put them side by side. Frustrating. It is. So the reason why, like Take-Two is always so erratic. It Their is. numbers yes. are always erratic. They're all over the place. We talk about this industry being hit driven, but when you've got Rockstar, like you are so much more beholden to the hit driven stuff. Yeah, you are. Um, but that said, I don't think that Rockstar in the last 15, 20 years has released a game that hasn't rocketed Take-Two's revenue up. 
I don't I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah. I don't think that they they have even though even though I may not be the world's biggest Rockstar fan because I'm not. A lot of Grand Theft Auto games tend to just kind of pass me by, right? Yep. That's okay. They're not for me, and that's okay too. It doesn't change the fact that Rockstar doesn't miss. They just don't miss. Yeah. I, I you know, it's interesting to me because of some of the work I'm doing, I'm actually getting a chance to get a look at more marketing documentation from developers and publishers. That and is I, very exciting. Well, it is because I get to look at their player profiles and their audience, their 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 targeted demographics. Uh, I just turned 46 years old. Happy birthday, Mikey. Thank you. Not why I brought it up, but I appreciate it. Well, it was like only three days ago. It was. The reason I brought it up is because I am now aging out of some target audiences. <gasps> oh, pumpkin. Which is very freeing. I'm going to say this. It is very <laughs> freeing to look at a game and be like, oh, that game's not actually meant for me. I don't have to pretend to like it. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's like you were sitting in the 45 category and you're like, well, I'm in the 36 to 45 category. So like, it's technically still for me, but now you're 46. Not for me, guys. Yeah, it's kind of free. It really <laughs> is. Um, all right. That's how I feel about some skincare products. I'm um, like, oh, well, this one's not actually for my skin because I am 38 this year. Yeah. Okay. You're so old. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, net revenue for Take-Two dropped about 3% to $1.366 billion for the quarter. Operating expenses also dropped by about 9%, which is important. So keep this in mind. They were $808 million. Now, Take-Two showed another loss for Q3, but improved from $153 million in loss last Q3 to being only $92 million in the whole this Q3. Okay, part of that, and this is not just because of Take-Two, it's because they acquired Zynga. Zynga tends to operate at a loss. They have been doing it for years. Now, it's not to say that, um, it's not to say that, that Frank is still, is still kicking around there, right? Is Frank still hanging out over at Zynga? I think so. I think he is. Yeah. But he, he really, he like, he did a lot, a lot of work in trying to pull that company back from the brink. And I mean, there was a lot of promise for quite some time, but the, the problem here is at the end of the day, mobile is not bi- is big anymore, especially not out yeah. here. It's, it's not, it's not as novel as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's the reason why. Exactly. And additionally, they, because pre Zynga, they were not as the hole wasn't as deep. No, no, no. It was, they, they very rarely operated at a loss. They're consistently operating at a loss now because of Zynga. Yep. Uh, so they take two posted a decrease in net bookings of 3.2% to $1.338 billion. Now, here's the real killer. Mm-hmm. Even though the company was largely within range of its projections, recurrent spending was lower than anticipated. So take two was expecting worst case, a 5% drop in recurrent spending. It was actually a 7% drop. Interesting. Uh, last year at this time, they saw 117% increase due to Zynga uh, in recurrent spending with no organic number reported, oh. which makes things very, very difficult, doesn't it? Frustrating. Uh, but things got more interesting when I noticed uh, that Take 2 has thinned out its pipeline significantly. Oh. Again, this is one of those places where I pulled up, you know, the year before's numbers just to make some comparisons. Now, keep in mind that some games come out. 
therefore the number is going to go down but then you put more you have more games that enter development so the numbers usually stay around remember how many games embracer group had i don't want to talk about it yeah that's one that's not in this report that one that's going to be an interesting earnings when that when that shit hits we're going to be drinking yeah (laughs) so last year at this time take two had 24 core titles in development Mm -hmm. there are now just 17 interesting indies which are exclusively through private division dropped from 10 last year to 7 this year. Mobile games in development dropped from 38 to 18. That that I believe. Yep. That I absolutely believe. Mobile is like I said the reason why mobile has been so ubiquitous for so many years is because it was still novel. Mm-hmm. People here's here's the thing that people don't tend to talk about. We we had built an entire industry, a piece of our industry around people's addictions to their phones people are kicking their phone habits mm-hmm. so they're not playing mobile games nearly as much anymore because they don't want to be on their phones as much anymore that is the reason why we're seeing this this isn't necessarily because of a pandemic overcorrect it is legitimately because more people are are not willing to sacrifice their the hours of their days to staring at screens that's part of what this is especially on mobile yep um midcore games dropped from seven to four okay. ports re-releases and remasters dropped from eight to six okay. again more evidence that we're seeing publishers become much more risk averse yeah seriously all right uh we have one more full one and then one that's going to make everybody's blood boil buckle up yeah 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 next up is sega all right, do you want to take us through Sega and then I'll take us through the blood boiling? Yep. All right, so this is for Q3, fiscal 24. Net sales were up across all divisions by 28.7% to 349.9 billion yen or $2.34 billion. Operating income jumped 42% to 54.4 billion yen or $364.4 million. And net income climbed 7.6 claw. Net income. <laughs> You want to try it one more time? Yes. Net income climbed 7.6% to 35.3 billion yen or $236.4 million. Entertainment content, so that's where the juice is for you listeners. Uh, sales were up 4.2% to 219.3 billion yen. Or 1.47 billion bells. Oh, for Tom Nook. Yeah. Sega says that some Q3 releases are underperforming. So we're looking at the list, and I went and looked at, hey, what games could this have been? It could have been Samba de Amigo. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were console ports of Humankind and Company of Heroes 3. Man, I tried loving Humankind. Like, I really gave it my best shot. It did not scratch the sip. I know know you're looking for for, at the the new one. What is it? Aura History Untold? Is that what it's called? Uh, I think that's what it is. Possibly? I think so, yeah. Um, I am looking... Very respectfully. Yeah. Total War Pharaoh, which we know was not well received, no, and Endless not. Dungeon also came out in the quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, as a reminder, though, Shega, Sega. Sh- Jesus. Man, we're having a minute here. You want to try that one more time? Uh, yeah. As a reminder, Sega shook up its leadership after some stumbles outside of core franchises, which include Yakuza like, and Like a Dragon, Persona, Sonic, and Football Manager. Those are pretty solid, you know all the way down Mm -hmm. Uh, operating income dipped significantly in this area by 52.5 percent to 18.8 billion yen or 125.9 million dollars and ordinary income in this area also dipped again by 52.5 percent to 19.7 billion yen define ordinary income mikey real quick oh hell do you remember because i I never remember how to define uh, i have to look it up every time okay i do too because it's weird it's only it's only like with sega that 
Um, okay. Ordinary income. Quick, go to Investopedia. Investopedia is my oh, favorite thing. It's the taxable. It's, it's a, taxable. Right, 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 right. Okay, it's the taxable stuff. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, that dipped 52.5% to 19.7 billion yen or $131.9 million. Uh, running through the rest of this real quickly. Uh, Patchy Slot and Pachinko sales were up a whopping 130.7% to 120.2 billion yen or $805 million. Operating income rocketed up 553% to 45.1 billion yen or $302 million. And ordinary income was also up a ton, 526% to 45.7 billion yen or $306 million. Finally, resort revenue. Uh, that continues to recover post-lockdown. Okay. Uh, up 5.7% to 9.2 billion yen or $61.6 million. Uh, resorts um, uh, are still operating at a bit of a loss. A uh, bit better than last year at 600 million yen uh, or $4 million. Okay. Uh, due to some expense savings and increased revenue, ordinary income for resorts is finally back in the black. Okay. At 700 million yen or $4.7 million from a loss of 2.8 billion yen at this point last year. So the big takeaway here is that while Sega Tenpole titles are doing really well, there are a number of rough spots in the catalog, and we're going to have to see how new leadership handles things. And we will be watching since there seems to be some retaliation against the unionization efforts taking place here in the United States. Now we have to talk about blood boiling things. Yes. Let's talk about Meta. How excited are you to talk about Meta? God, I am never excited to talk about Meta. Literally never excited to talk about Meta. So we are just going to go through the highlights. Uh, we don't want to go too into depth here, but we do want to talk about what's happening at Meta specifically around its Reality Labs division. So the company posted significantly increased revenue for Reality Labs in Q4, climbing from $210 million in Q3 to $1.07 billion in Q4 on the back of the Quest 3 launch. That's pretty huge, right? However, Reality mm -hmm. Labs losses are mounting. They hit, and I need you to, I need everybody, hold on to your butts or buckle up or do whatever you need to do. You don't actually have to touch your own butt. It hit $4.65 billion in losses in Q4. I need you to hear me on this one. Q4. Okay. That's total losses of more than $16 billion for the fiscal, for fiscal 23 and total losses, total, total losses of more than $33 billion over the past three fiscal years. And I want you to keep this in mind as Meta has laid off more than 21 thousand people over the last I just, year that is that number is so astronomical it's staggering it's absolutely staggering it's staggering and here's the other thing all right folks here's the other thing we talked about stock buybacks guess what meta did the yeah. company just announced a stock buyback program valued at 50 billion dollars this is more payoffs for layoffs we are never going to stop beating this drum. This is awful. Yep. Whew. All is right. Is your blood boiling? My blood, well, it usually is these days when we're talking about layoffs. I know. Stuff. it's, And I feel like all we ever do is deliver bad news to y'all. And we're so sorry. Yep. Maybe oh. one day it'll get better. Our fingers are crossed. All right. Well, why don't we take a little woosah break Ooh. and breathe? <laughs> 
Virtual Economy is an F-squared initiative, and along with pro bono business consulting for up-and-coming developers, it's a way we are working to give back to the community that has already given us so much. To find out more about F-squared and the services we can provide, including pitch prep, media training, mock reviews, and business strategy guidance, visit our website at fsquared.biz. And we are back with Investment Interlude looking a little meatier than it has in quite some time. This is the segment of the show where we talk about money, money, money. Perfect. Yeah. Money. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to take us through the first story? Capitalism. I love how we call ourselves an anti-capitalist business podcast. It's so messed up. Anyway. Uh, all right, Loric Games, a studio led by former Mythic Entertainment leadership, um, you might recall Mythic was responsible for Dark Age of Camelot, Love Warhammer it. Online, Age of Reckoning, Love and others. Uh, they've secured $4 million in funding led by 1AM Gaming with Hero Capital also participating. Additionally, Jeff Hickman, formerly of Mythic and Bioware, has joined the studio. Thanks, Mikey. That was an incomplete thought, and I didn't know what you were trying to say. I got there. You did. You definitely did get there. I remembered. I'm glad you remembered because I definitely I had my member berries. Oh, that's good. NordCurrent has acquired CinemaWare's portfolio of titles from Starbreeze. All right, we're going to get into this because it's kind of weird. Starbreeze had actually purchased CinemaWare's portfolio back in 2016. Now, CinemaWare was a company that was around for a really, really long time. They did all sorts of things. And... When Starbreeze hat was still experiencing that sweet, sweet dead by daylight money, they're like, oh, what's why not? So North Current itself has been around since 2002. They mostly came into their own as a co-developer with Activision, but they are best known for their work on Sniper Arena, which came out in 2016 and has had 50 million downloads worldwide. NordCurrent also had acquired River End Games in November of last year, which does give us great pause. Having a war chest in this economy doesn't mean anything at all unless there are protections for workers. Mm-hmm. And we will keep saying that because you know what? I think that our perspective in the past was just being like kind of blown away by how fast things were moving. That's not us anymore. We are we are in season five here, folks. This is not season one. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Uh, big one this week. Disney has announced yeah. a $1.5 billion investment in Epic that gives the House of Mouse somewhere in the neighborhood of like 5% ownership um, of the Fortnite maker. Actually, I, I heard from someone else that that number is actually probably closer to 10%. No. Wow. Yeah. So it's, that that was, it's somewhere in there. I thought that valuation was a little bit skittish. I I have I have a lot more to say about this whole thing, but the investment is going to be used to create quote an expansive and open games and entertainment universe connected to Fortnite. Now, you may be wondering what the fuck that means because <laughs> it's a lot of corpse speak. Uh, hold on, hold on. I've got my butt. So you may recall that in 2022, the parent company that owns the Lego Group I invested remember. two billion dollars. In Epic. I do remember this. And you may recall in December, Lego Fortnite came out. I do remember. It was in, in a unique experience. Yes, I do. Connected to Fortnite. Yes. First of all, Lego outspent Disney, which I just want to say is rather amusing. Second, 
I think this can give us an idea of what we can expect as a result of this partnership. I do not think, I mean, I, I do love how, for the most part, we're seeing any skins that you own in, in Fortnite, suddenly you've got the Lego version of it. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Not not universally, but but a lot of them. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think this is slightly different than the Marvel partnership where Iron Man and Captain America and Blade and Daredevil are running around with guns is because I don't think that Disney would be keen on Cinderella running around with an Uzi. Or Moana. Or Moana. Because Moana 2 is coming out this year. Yeah. I just I just think about Mickey Mouse. Like, oh, 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 you're going to get it now, bitch. <laughs> wow. I don't... Where are we dropping, boys? Is that fair use? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, Michael. We gotta call the lawyers. (laughs) It's it's parody. Oh, okay. So it's an affirmative defense. Oh, okay. Which means I still you still need to call the lawyers. Oh, stop it! Oh no! Oh oh! Victory Royale! (laughs) Wow! Killed ninety nine of you schmucks. Are you finished? <laughs> We're not even drinking, people. It's just been a weird day. Yeah. Um, so because no, you know what? We are recording this from Las Vegas right now as we are here for Dice. Yes. Uh, notably, the press release avoids the word metaverse like the plague for obvious reasons because that, that... What are the obvious reasons? Well, that, that word that word has gotten like dragged it's through. It's poopies, yeah. It's it doesn't poopies. mean anything anymore. So they, it's But they pretty poopies. much everything they said was what... Like, the core of the whole original metaversal uh-huh. idea was. Um, so, quote, in addition to being a world-class games experience and, interop- and, interoper- and interoperating with Fortnite, the new persistent universe will offer a multitude of opportunities for consumers to play, watch, shop, and engage with content, characters, and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. It's interesting. It, it is. It's an interesting way for Disney yep. to do what its investors are asking it to do. You may recall that some Disney investors were pushing Disney to like acquire EA and get back into game development and don't, production. Don't. Go read my piece on Game Daily. I will throw that thing at anybody that says that Disney should be making games. Disney should not be making games. Yes. Ever. Ever um, again. The thing for me, and I do not want to hammer this point too hard, if, if Epic just scored a $1.5 billion investment and laid off close to a thousand people. Uh-huh. Again, the incongruity. I am having so many problems speaking today. The incongruity. Do you, you want to have a little bit of water? Yes. Here's some water. Don't do that. That's my water bottle. You already backwash. stuffed it. I didn't. What? The incongruity. Uh, this huge investment with the layoffs is just, it's its a, just another hard pill to swallow. Yep. And while there might be a business explanation, and there is no doubt a business explanation here. You know what? We, we fall back on this. And I, I just want to like, just a brief aside here. We fall back on this as analysts, right? There are always business reasons. But the business reasons, more often than not, do not take into account the very human cost. And I know that I have been guilty of trying to be objective to the point of ignoring the human cost in the past. And I just won't do it anymore. I'm not yeah, a journalist I, yeah. anymore. I'm, I'm an analyst. Like, this is, this is what we do. We analyze. We are not reporting the news. We are analyzing it. Yep. So 
I I have a lot of trouble uh, with with what Epic did, namely because, well, where's the money going to come from? Yeah. Right? Deals like this take months. I still I still am having a hard time wrapping my head around Epic's like this was a survival decision. We didn't realize we were so low on money. Hey? What? That Fire is the most your CFO then. Fire your CFO. Honestly, if you don't realize why you don't have any money and you're just looking at it now, I don't believe that at all. And funny, and oddly enough, all of a sudden, all these other CEOs who were laying people off, it's like, we needed to do it. We didn't know how much money we didn't have. That's freaking terrible. Good golly. Miss Molly. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you want to say no. about Disney and Epic? Moving on. Moving on. Okay, let's talk about what's going on over at Nitro Games. Nitro Games has received another 3.5 million euros to continue development on a Warframe mobile game. They had received initial funds of 1.2 million euros back in August of 2023 from Digital Extremes. Honestly, this is a bold strategy given the mobile fatigue. Well, we and also remember Digital Extremes about. spun off Wayfinder and then handed that back to Airship Syndicate, which also just went through layoffs mm-hmm. because they were suddenly like, oh, we don't have our publisher anymore. Yeah. At, like the dominoes, the yeah. domino effect. And and honestly, if you want to know my kind of like, I, I'm I'm putting like red thread on, on my map. Mike has seen my brain and how it works like i wrote this huge thing out about why we are where we where we are if you ever want to talk about that with me in person i will go through my weird little conspiracy theory it's not a conspiracy theory it's It's not it's 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 analysis analysis. but it's analysis spanning 10 years Uh, honestly it's interesting because we've all we've we've both been through this for a number of people have asked us like okay well why is it so bad right now and we just we now have it like okay, like, okay we so we gotta this, go back and this and we gotta go back yeah we gotta go back 10 years because we gotta tell you guys where it started yep and if you don't understand where the roots are you can't understand why we are where we are exactly so like it, it looks like a conspiracy theory when like in my head because i'm like that guy from always sunny where i'm just like i've got a cigarette in my i've never smoked a cigarette in my life but I've got like a cigarette in my mouth and I'm just like, my hands are going everywhere and I've got like red string everywhere. And like, it's, that's yeah. how my brain feels right now when I think about how we got to where we are. So anyway, I, mobile investment is not safe right now. And I mean, this isn't a ton of money. It is enough money, but it's not a ton. So hopefully everything's going to be okay. But at the same time, who's the audience here? Yeah, I don't know. I- are you going to be taking this to Tencent or to Netties? In order to get well, into Well, remember, China. Digital Extremes is owned. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. They're, they're owned by they're owned by Netties, aren't they? Are they really? Hold on a sec. Uh, we keep at... forgetting this. I don't know what it is about Digital Extremes, but we're like, but they're independent forever, right? No. As it turns out, we are wrong about this. Mike's looking it up right now. Oh, they're yeah. owned by Layu. That's what it is. Yeah. That's why they're building the mobile game. They're owned by Layu. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It makes sense. Yep. Analysis complete. Yeah. Moving on. All right. Aonic, which owns Other Side Entertainment, Milky Tea, Tiny War, Bcom, and most recently Endreams, which it acquired in November, has founded a new publishing label. Megabit is the new umbrella under which Aonic Studios will receive centralized publishing services. Megabit and Aonic say that they want to create a publishing relationship that doesn't infringe on studio creativity, instead providing them the tools necessary to successfully bring games to market. And after the Embracer catastrophe, a centralized publishing unit is what makes sense. Pretty much. 
A group of former Volition developers have come back together as Shapeshifter. Oh, this warms my heart. This warms my heart so much. The studio is led by Matt Madigan, who has worked on the business side at the original THQ, Volition, and Lost Boys Interactive. In his LinkedIn post, Madigan says that the studio is committed to providing, quote, a sustainable workforce model. All right. Uh, Jagex has yet another new owner. What? Uh, Sky News reported first that the UK developer and publisher uh, may be sold by private equity what? firm Carlisle to another PE firm, CVC. CVC confirmed on Friday morning that it had agreed to purchase the developer. It has a partnership with Haveli Investments. Haveli has backed Omida Studios' pre predecessor, uh, which you may recall we covered we a, did. a couple years ago. I it's remember. effectively a revamp of Epic's uh, Since Sunset MOBA Paragon. Uh, and Haveli's also backed Behavior Interactive. The deal is reportedly worth £900 million. Carlisle Group bought Jagex in January 2021 for £530 million USD, or about £420 million. Uh, Jagex has about 700 employees, and in 2022 acquired Codev Team Pipeworks and Gamepires, which is the developer of Scum. I forgot that they acquired Gamepires. Scum is such a fascinating game. Yeah. It's not for me, but it is a really interesting game. So... Uh, really interesting here that uh, what's it what's it called? Uh, Carlisle flipped Jagex. I know, and more than doubled. That's wild. That's absolutely wild to me. I don't. I don't even money. That's not even real. Yeah, that's just that's funny money. All right, we got one more. We got one more in investment interlude. Uh, Octopath Traveler developer Acquire has been well acquired. By from software parent company Katakawa Corporation. Katakawa also owns Danganronpa developer Spike Chunsoft. No terms of the deal were disclosed. So we're gonna take like a brief aside here. Yep. To actually talk about our sponsor. Yeah. So uh, we we have our first sponsorship. We mentioned this in the Yay! last episode. Uh, so we're gonna talk about Magic Mind, which is a supplement shot that Amanda and I have been taking now for I guess it's a it's a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more than that at this point. And, and I will say, like, in all honesty, we subscribe. Like, so they sent us our first our first box uh, mm -hmm. as part of this, like, hey, try it out. See if you like it. If you don't, great. We'll move on. If you do like it, then great. Let's do the sponsorship. We actually bought some. We did. We, we spent our money. It, it wasn't even just us either. Yeah. Our partner, James, also. Yes. And not and not house. because, and not just because, like, we're doing this, but because no. we had been talking because about it. it and he, heard, he heard us talking about it on the show. And it actually works. And this is the thing. Like, we were really skeptical when we started uh, talking to them about this. And we've actually been really, really happy with it. And as I said, we, you know, we went and we bought uh, a subscription. You know, we got to the three-month uh, three supply that, that we're sharing. Yep. So it's a little two-ounce shot. We drink it with our coffee in the morning. Um, we ran the ingredients by our resident doctor, our partner, Danielle. Uh, and he said, like, look, is this safe for us to drink? Should we? And she's actually looked at the ingredient list and she said, oh, yeah, like, I'm taking ashwagandha, and, which is used for reduced stress and cortisol reduction. But she also uh, identified rhodiola, which reduces fatigue, choline, which boosts dopamine and supports concentration, learning, and memory. So there's a bunch of good stuff in there. Uh, you've probably heard of some of the other ingredients. Matcha, there is caffeine in this. And matcha is great when you're taking it alongside your coffee. It does help with caffeine absorption. So mm -hmm. it actually carries your caffeine further through the day. That's got vitamin C, turmeric, uh, and different kinds of mushrooms that pump up your immune cordyceps. system. Cordyceps. Yeah, it does have cordyceps in it. So for all of you uh, Last of Us fans, you can, too can become a clicker. Um, 
Not really. Didn't not, hasn't happened to us. Definitely yet. not actually. No, no. <laughs> Uh, but the mushrooms and the cordyceps and everything that are in there uh, do boost your immune system and they are shown to improve neuroplasticity. Again, we would not have agreed to this sponsorship if we didn't think this worked. Um, if you are interested in checking out Magic Mind, uh, you can get 20% off your order at magicmind.com with our code virtualeconomy20. That's all one word. And if you decide to jump on this in the next you know, week to 10 days or so, I think, uh, you can save up to 56% on your order. Just visit magicmind.com, enter Virtual Economy 20 at checkout, and claim your offer. All right. And with that, hey, Mikey. Yes. What time is it? It's time for quick hits. Oh, you decided to go up a little bit. I on did. That one. I didn't did mean it feel to. good? It, it felt good. I it mean, felt I, good? my voice is a little higher. No, it's okay. That's fine. That's that's your natural register. I yes. feel it. I feel it. Yes. All right. So let's talk about some good quick hits here. So Supermassive's co-founders have left the studio. This was originally posted on Supermassive's LinkedIn page. Pete Samuels posted his own message explaining that his decision to step down was based on health reasons. No word on why Joe is also stepping down, but might be for the same reasons or similar reasons. Supermassive's new CEO is Robert Henderson, the former CEO and chairman of Avalanche Studios. Very interesting. And of course, Supermassive's like first big game was in development for so long uh, and eventually became Until Dawn. Which, to this day, is one of my very favorite horror games. And if you haven't had a chance to play it, it is coming to PlayStation 5 and PC, I believe, later this year. Yes, it is. There, it's a going to be a remastered version of it Excellent. and it's going to be even more gorgeous than it was than when it was originally released mm -hmm. this is a game that i personally revisit every couple of years because of its storytelling structure yep it's really great uh hoyoverse is taking a page out of bungie's playbook and going after genshin impact hackers <gasps> but doesn't have the representation it does not have mr don mcgowan it does not have mr don mcgowan Yep. Okay. Uh, the Breath of the Waifu publisher has sued a group of hackers in Canadian federal court. Oops. The group of hackers has been selling a variety of cheat tools and has ignored a Hoyoverse cease and desist. Oh, oh no. The suit alleges copyright infringement and circumvention of anti-cheat tools, seeking damages of at least $50,000 and injunctive relief. Now, the reason that number is so low is because it's in Canada. It's true. In the United States, that number, you tack a zero onto that, and maybe you'd be getting started. Yeah, we're not a litigious people where I'm from, um, mm -hmm. but a group of hack Canadian hackers, though, that's yep. very interesting. The maple syrup gang. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's the bagel belt gang. Oh. That's a Tim Hortons reference for all of you that don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, a quick update on the lawsuit against 2K over alleged currency, virtual currency theft. So you may recall that this suit was filed because players can't take virtual currency from one game to the next, even in the same series. So if you had left leftover virtual currency in like NBA 2K22, you are not able to use that in NBA 2K23. Now, Take-Two has responded saying that this is a nothing burger because virtual currency doesn't exist. It's all, quote, fiction made up by the publisher and subject to its own terms and conditions. That includes that it isn't the purchaser's property at all and has pointed to the end user licensing agreement as evidence that it has the right to do this and the users sign off on said right. I mean, you have to, if you want to actually play a game, you just got to click through that thing. You just got to click through it, guys. Read the read, read the terms and conditions. Yeah. That's actually really important. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like if it's Larian, they'll put really fun stuff in there Yep. and they'll make you laugh. 
along the way. Mm-hmm. Take two has asked the court to dismiss the case on these grounds, so we'll see. And wrapping up quick hits as we always do now. Uh, milestones. Uh, Power World has hit 19 million players in its first 13 days. 7 million of those were played on Xbox. The game is available on as a game preview on Game Pass. Microsoft says it's the largest, uh, third largest party game. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Largest third party game. There you go. Uh, past launch. Oh, Jesus, I am having so many problems today. Leave it all in. I don't want you to cut it. I want everybody to know anything. the struggle of 46 years old. This is not because you're 46. It's because we shifted I was up at time 4:30. Zones. I was up at 4:30 this morning. We shifted and it time is zones. Now the equivalent of eight o'clock in the evening. Yes. Uh, all right, I'm gonna try that one more time. It's the largest third-party game pass launch ever. Now there are some headlines out there right now, and I want to address these very quickly. <laughs> There are some headlines out there. Something happened on the last stream that I want to address exactly. real quick. But that's, a, that's a joke that some of you may recall. From Mike Streams. Yes. <laughs> uh, that are saying like, oh, Power World's lost 65% of its user base in the last X number. Now, remember, it hit, a, it hit concurrence of over 2 million. Uh-huh. So let's just do some quick math, everybody. If I, I take beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, 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 2 million times... <laughs> 0.45, which is what would, I'm sorry, 0.35, which is what would be less left. You get a concurrent player base of 700,000 players, folks. That's still great. People are going to play a game and move on. In. They are. And it's this okay. is a lot of interest in this game. That it's doesn't okay. mean that everybody who played the game loved it. It means they bought it. They played it during that hot period. And maybe they didn't come back. And I am fine. one of those players, by the way. That's okay I did too. not enjoy this game. And that's okay, too. I'm 46. I've aged out of the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to use this over and over and over again. And I personally am very excited about it. And like a dragon, infinite wealth, in this new lunar, in this lunar new year of the year of the dragon, mind you, has sold more than 1 million units, making it the fastest selling title in the long running Yakuza franchise. Stop yelling at me. I promise I'm going to play them. Yep. Um, I'm going to throw another one in here. That okay. was in my in my drop from today. Okay. I, I dropped a number of things into uh, into my personal Discord server so I keep track of stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda, for giving me that idea. You're very welcome. Uh, Silent Hill, The Short Message, which is the free game that was announced, uh, has reached over 2 million downloads. I have not 5. played it yet. It's again, downloaded and waiting for you. Again. Yeah. I'm going to play it. I just yep. haven't had time. Lots of freelancing. Yep. And also I have some some drops in here related to layoffs. Let me kind of the rundown. All right. Uh, you got the last one. I do indeed. Persona 3 Reload has sold 1 million copies in its first week. It is now the fastest selling Atlas game of all time. And Mikey's heart grew three sizes that day. I love that, that game so much. It's um, true. I got him a print for his birthday. Yeah. That says Burn My Dread, and it's Persona so 3. Good. Burn My Dread is Mike's favorite Persona song. Yep. The Especially the last franchise. boss version. Oh. And I've never played P3. Uh, you, We have watched... So here's the thing. I played a chunk of P4. I didn't finish P4. But I, I loved P4, right. and I played it through twice. And we watched the anime for both P4, and I introduced Manda to P3 through the anime because I wasn't sure that... This was before P3 Portable re, you know, re-releases were announced. This is before, way before Reload was announced. So 
I wanted to make sure she at least absorbed that story because the story is so dope. Um, but but you know what? And those were quick hits. Ugh. It's everybody's most painful time of the year, Labor Report. It's the most painful time of the episode. It is the Labor Report. The Labor Report, I am so sorry, my friends. It is brutal once again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there are going to be things in here that are really, really painful. There, um, are a lot there always of- are. Yeah. But but there are a couple things this this week that are that are particularly stingy. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna kick it off with what's going on at Tencent, I guess. So Tencent reported that its game business quote achieved nothing during 2023. And that uh, was a translation. It it was a translation. So Tencent CEO and co-founder Pony Ma indicated that the company has been kind of like ambling along while its major competitors have been releasing hit after hit after hit. Ma said Tencent should be focused on leveraging its own uh, punyon. Yeah. I guess that's how you say it. Generative AI model across various businesses in order to remain competitive. Now, we have no idea if this is targeted at gaming since Ma claims that gaming is its flagship business. You know, but here's the thing that's really kind of sticking in my throat. If Tencent, one of the biggest companies in the world, is at a loss with its gaming division, this does not look good for the dozens of studios that Tencent is invested no, in. It's it's really not good. This is that's a red flag. That is that is very, very alarming. Red flag. Yeah, red flag. Flag on the play. Speaking of red flags. Oh boy. Embracer, another another episode, another round of Embracer layoffs. This time cuts have hit Star Trek Infinite Developer Nimble Giant. Uh, approximately 30 people have been laid off at the Argentinian studio, and this is reportedly not the first round of layoffs at the studio, which had two additional rounds of cuts last year. Jeez Louise. All right, buckle up. Okay, this one, this one hurt. So this is about Britannia Media and Crop Circle Games. Um, the entirety of game science has been, well, laid off, I guess, uh, according to former staff. Game science was a support studio that assisted with creative ideation for new IP. There were a lot of folks working in creative services, including editorial and yeah. Yeah. Um, Furloughs at Crop Circle Games, probably one of my most anticipated studios, which had, um, you know, so much talent, so much incredible talent from across the industry. And, you know, you all know that I, you know, I'm I'm working now in between narrative and production and, you know, kind of like melding the two of these things in addition to my work as an analyst. And I was watching as a lot of, you know, people that I really look up to come out and say, we've been furloughed. This was one of the most exciting studios to me. Yep. It was Crop Circle Games. And it was also possibility space. Yep. So there have been layoffs at parent company Pritanium Media, which also owns possibility space, Fang and & Claw, and Dawan Entertainment. This is a company that spun up, quite frankly, irresponsibly. Clearly. All of these studios. And then went on social media to say that they didn't understand why people are all, why, why we're not seeing more. This is on LinkedIn. 
This was on, this was on LinkedIn, just yeah. to be clear. And saying that, oh, why are these people all getting laid off and workers need better protections and this and that and the other thing. And I'm not going to go into what actually was said. It was scrubbed. Yeah, they deleted everything. Yep. I, I look at this not just as a failure in leadership. You furloughed people. You didn't lay them off with severance. You furloughed them, which meant that these are people that are going to be hungry. Yeah. So just to be just to be clear, furloughs, you know, we didn't hear that word for a very long time until the housing crisis in 2008, 2009. My company, here in the United States. Here in the United States. Um, my company, I was at, uh, prior to 2009, I was at the Arts and Cultural Council for Greater Rochester. We were a very small team, but we had no choice but to furlough some of our small staff. Small but mighty. Small but mighty. Uh, and now gone. Uh, the organization doesn't exist anymore. I know. Um, well, you don't work in arts. I don't work in, I don't work in nonprofit arts anymore, obviously. But what that meant was, hey, we are like reducing your hours. So we're going to, a partial furlough. So you're going to come in two days a week and we're going to pay you, you know, 40% of your salary. Like, that's not Furlough, good. Furloughs happened quite a bit back in 2008, 2009 mm-hmm. here in the U.S. And there was furloughing happening all over the world because, you know, what happens in the U.S. tends to happen yeah. pretty much globally. So a full furlough is you're not laid off. So we can call you back and tell you, okay, we're ready to resume work again, but we're not going to pay you in the but anybody who is smart enough, especially in this industry, if you hear the word furlough, you start you looking at you. Yeah, that's it. You you're dip. done. You're done. Because, because you, can't, you, you can't wait. It takes anywhere. And I'm, and I'm seeing this anecdotally. And I just I want to make sure that you all understand this, especially if you don't work in games and you are one of our lovely enthusiast listeners, which welcome. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for learning with us. And it now, because this is an employer market, and it is saturated with talent because so many layoffs have happened. It is now taking people potentially between six months to a year to land a new job. Now, if you're lucky, then you'll land something quicker. If you're a senior, if you're sitting in a senior role, you've shipped award-winning games, maybe you'll be able to see a new job within three months, but that's still three months. That's three months of your mortgage not getting or your rent not getting paid. That's three months of unemployment that is not going to be enough to pay the bills. It's really important to understand that without severance, without severance, you are essentially sending talent out to starve. Yep. And are are the people sitting at the top of this company starving? Well, isn't that a great question? They've been so very really. Silent. Very interesting question. And we can, I love that we have a thing in the, in the, in the show notes about like, does Manda have anything to add? Mm-hmm. Manda is genuinely pissed off about this. All right. We mentioned this earlier in the show, uh, but I did want to touch on it very quickly. Wayfinder developer Airship Syndicate has announced layoffs of 12 people. Now this comes after publishing partner Digital Extremes stepped away from the game, yeah. handed it back to Airship. But here's the thing. As part of the measures, President Ryan Stefanelli and CEO Joe Madureira are cutting their own salaries. This is the okay. first time. Okay. Very nice. This is the first time that very we have nice. heard that. Honestly. In dozens nice. of stories. Yep. Very nice. This is the way to handle it. Yep. Absolutely. Where it's like, all right, look, this sucks. We hate this. We're going to take pay cuts. 
Yep. Um, All right, next up, Square Enix has absorbed Tokyo RPG Factory, the studio behind games like I Am Setsuna, Lost Sphere, and Oninaki. Square Enix will inherit all assets and liabilities of Tokyo RPG Factory, which, you know, is the dissolving company. Yeah. And Tokyo RPG Factory will, in fact, cease to exist as an individual entity. Those games were interesting experiments, but I don't think that any of them really soared to the heights that people thought. It's unfortunate, too, because I Am Setsuna, I really loved. Like, I, but I think I was in the minority on that one. Based on the reviews and everything and everything I It was I a fairly tepid... Yeah. It was a fairly, fairly tepid response, unfortunately. Yep. I think I was an outlier on it because the, the story... Uh-huh. really spoke to me because yep. you know it just it just did yeah all right here's an interesting one but also it's layoff so it's interesting <laughs> and sad it's not funny haha it's funny uh-oh yeah so you may recall that there was some buzz in january 2023 uh when bloomberg reported that wizards of the coast canceled a number of unannounced projects and that hidden paths dungeons and dragons rpg was among them now this turned out to not be entirely accurate there was in fact a back and Forth, where Hidden Path on their social channels publicly refuted that the game was canceled, and Bloomberg said, well, we stand by our reporting. So I think now we have a better picture of what happened here. It seems that instead of actually being canceled, from Wizards of the Coast's perspective, this game was canceled because they pulled the funding. But right. they may not have A, pulled the license, or it could have been that Hidden Path retooled it so that it wasn't a Dungeons & Dragons game, and therefore all the bones were still there. Yeah. But it didn't actually, it wasn't actually a licensed D&D game. Any of these things could have been possible. And yeah, to yeah, make all sure. of these things true, yes, the game was canceled in the sense that funding was pulled. Right. Yes, the game was canceled. Maybe it still had the license. Maybe it didn't. But the game wasn't, in fact, the game itself wasn't canceled because Hidden Path, it, what I think this was really, really intelligent, and I do like Jeff Post, um, who is the founder, you know, they might have said, what can we do here to salvage this? Yeah, exactly. So I do appreciate it. And, they, and they've been chasing this for months. Yes. Um, so now it looks like that game is, is in fact canceled. Um, they have been chasing replacement funding for an RPG project, which is how I put together that it was very likely this d d game. Yeah. Uh, for months, and it was unsuccessful, and 44 people have unfortunately been eliminated from the studio as a result. Gosh, that's sad. Yeah. Devolver Digital has a couple of stories this week. Oh. There are some executive changes to note. Um, CEO Douglas Morin has stepped down. Okay. Devolver co-founder Harry Miller will be taking over once again. This is not the first time that, that Miller has been in the CEO seat. Kate Marsh has also been named a non-executive chair. The sad part, though, is what's happening at Devolver-owned studio Artificer, which has laid off roughly half of its studio. Um, according to Kotaku, further cuts are expected with another 10 to 12 of the remaining developers sticking around, quote, for a few months to finish up work on Artificer's next game, at which point they too will be laid off. Wow, this is really reminiscent of the Gone Gold to laid off pipeline. <clears throat> You know what's interesting, and like I'm really glad that you brought that up in this in this episode because we were just talking about service games, right? We were at the top of the show, yep. and we need better definitions for it. Service games, what they were seen as, is curbing that gone gold to to no job, yep. essentially, or studio closure yep. problems. And what are we seeing? We are seeing it happen in real time 
in the worst possible way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so an Artificer was the studio behind Ruiner, a game that you really like. Oh, was this the Ruiner, folks? Yes. I mean, I put it in the show notes. Or you put it in the show notes. No, no, I put it in the show notes because I was wrong. I, that's why I skipped over it. Because it was Raycon that did oh. Ruiner. So who is the studio uh, they've they've done other stuff. They've okay. done um, they did a uh, a turn based game that was particularly interesting. Oh, so, okay. My yeah, mistake. no, that no, it was my mistake. I meant to pull that out because I was wrong on that one. I was thinking of uh, Raycon, Got not it. Artificer. So, well, they, well, wait, didn't we cover them getting having layoffs? We also did. Last which week? Is, that's why. Which is why I got it confused in my own head. I'm just like, but didn't we just what? J- okay, fine, fair. Yep. So there's that. All right, so we're kind of going into rapid fire mode with the layoffs. We are These indeed. are fucking like this layoff, layoff quick hits. No, what the? You know what we're not going to do? No, I'm kidding. I mean, that was just like. No, uh, it was off the cuff. I, I get it. But just to be super no, clear. No, no, we're not. We would I never. I would not sing about layoffs. Gosh, no. Uh, um. According to Chinese outlet Core Esports, and this was translated by Nico Partners and flagged for us by dear friend Andy Pan, uh, China, obviously not immune to the layoff wildfire. The outlet reports that Tencent, MiHoYo, and NetEase have all been going through rounds of layoffs that just haven't reached our shores in terms of the news. Um, We've already covered the FTC story, so we can kind of pass on that. Uh, And we have actually referenced this as well. Sega of America is laying off approximately 60 people in the U.S. However, the union, Aegis, was able to save a number of jobs through negotiation with the publisher. Unions work. They can't fix everything, but they can work to protect people and reduce the impact of layoff Absolutely. And you know what? We... We need more of this. And folks, I'm going to I'm going to say this out loud because I am also a game developer these days, not just an analyst. Go join the IATSE Discord. Go join it. Go make your voice heard. We need IATSE's help in order to unionize in this industry. It is time. Yes. All right. There are a few more stories that we picked up via the abattoir known as LinkedIn. Uh, Nitrato, which hosts servers for popular games, has laid off an unknown number of people. Yep. You keep going because I'm going to read the ones that I dropped into. Sounds uh, good. Threshold Games, which was about one month from showing off its debut title, has announced its closure. This one broke my heart. Yep. Wide open because Threshold is queer owned. And there are some incredible, there were, sorry, some incredible developers working on this game. And I am so sad that we are never going to be able, we are likely never going to be able to see their vision come. Likewise, German studio Threeks has announced that it is shutting down and laying off all 25 employees. All right, some more, again, from LinkedIn and other and other places. Um, this was announced today. Uh, Suspicious Games, which has been around for three years making mobile and PC games, is closing. Um, it's a very small team. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, six people. Still um, six people yep. that, don't, that don't have a job. Absolutely. Um, really great post from one of the co-founders here explaining what he learned from this and what mm-hmm. every, and how great everybody on the team was. And this I is just that. a lack of contract work. Again, they just ran out of runway. Yeah. Um, the other one that I saw is uh, Dimensional Inc., uh, which is the developer underneath Daybreak that is behind DC Universe Online, uh, apparently hit with layoffs. I'm pulling up that story right now. 
Um, again, these kind of came in hot while we were traveling, so I wanted to make sure. Yeah, we, we saw them when we, we were on the them. plane. Um, this one uh, uh, game developer caught this uh, unknown number of people um, at this time. Uh, so this was this is still still fresh. So waiting for additional information on that. But those were the the two other ones that I flagged. It continues to be a miserable time to be a game developer. Yeah. Quite frankly. So I'm going to reiterate what I said a little bit earlier in the show. Remember that you can, that you're not alone. Yep. There are lots of communities out there that are trying to make sure that game developers land, not softly because no one's going to land softly right now, but land. Yeah. So there is a game industry layoff slack. You can find that pretty much everywhere. Um, you have to apply to get in because they want to make sure that they're only allowing people in that have been laid off, that you're not just coming in to look for references or look for, you know, job postings and that kind of thing. It's a very active group. I'm in it. Um, there are lots of resources on LinkedIn. Recruiters are constantly doing, you know, coffee hours. There are lots of resources about starting your own indie game development studio. I do not recommend doing this right now. Just to be clear, I don't think that it's a safe time to start an indie studio because money is not there right now. Now, if you are struggling with your mental health, which is okay, you are not alone. You are not bad for suffering. This is not your fault. If you are in this place, please make sure that you reach out to take this you read their most excellent resources, make sure that you have your support system, look at Safe in Our World. All of these things are really important. You are really important. And the only way that we will get through this as an industry is together. Truth. Truth, truth. <sighs> okay. All right, that's it. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are still posting the show on Twitter at Virtual Econcast. Uh, we are, I, look. Man, Here's the deal. Yeah. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm, I'm gig hunting. I've spent 17 years for the most part, nearly 17 years for the most part on this platform. I left it in July because I didn't want to be there anymore, but I was also not job hunting anymore. I had a new job. I was happy. I was really excited to be working. I was going to be working with the good folks over at Hackjack. So I was done. I moved on to Blue Sky. But the fact of the matter is that I'm gig hunting. I need to be where my network is. Twitter is where my network is. So I am back there. You can also follow us on Blue Sky, but I am not nearly as active there right now because I can really only manage one social network at a time. Mm -hmm. So we are Virtual EconCast on Twitter. I'm Amanda Farrow on Twitter. So that's just my first and last name. And Mike? I'm Footerish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H. Uh, we do have Blue Sky accounts, as Amanda mentioned. The show is virtualeconomy.bsky.social. I'm footerish.bsky.social. And I'm ritualmagic.bsky.social. So that's ritual with a W in front of it. So, you know, like writing. Yep. We also post the show on LinkedIn on the F squared account and we post it on our personal accounts. So you can connect with us um, on LinkedIn. Make sure you send a note. Let us know where you found us. And that also goes for if you're adding us on Discord. Yes. Because I'm Ritual Magic on Discord. And I'm Footer on Discord. If you happen to have sent me an invite or a friend request in the past few days, it is very hard for me to tell like which ones are scammed if we don't share a server or anything. So if I ignored your friend request, it's not because I'm being standoffish. 
like send me a note. Just send a note. Like, and Let you can send know. me that note on any platform. You can email me. Um, it's just Mike at fsquared.biz. You can hit me up. You can send me a DM on on Twitter. You can send me a message on Discord. Just hey, I I want to add you as a friend on Discord. I will absolutely accept if you're a listener of the show. You get an automatic accept. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. So I just wanted to make sure that you that you let us know. It's same thing on LinkedIn. If you found us through the show, just say it in your note because Mike and I get a lot of connection requests and we don't always say yes to all of them. So that's that whole situation. You can subscribe to the RSS feed at virtualeconcast.com. We are also doing a little bit more writing there these days, which is kind of nice. You can also listen to us on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Pocket Cast, and more. You know, please subscribe if you enjoyed, you know, our analysis, despite how dour it's been. Um, and if possible, on your platform of choice, we'd love it if you would review the show. Yep. Let us know what you think. And of course, we love listener questions. You can oh, DM so us much. with questions. Uh, Discord's a great way to get them to us if you're part of our community. Uh, the past couple of episodes, we've been a little harried, so we haven't put out the call, as you've noticed in the show. Well, shows. they're also, re- the, the episodes have been longer. Man, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, starting when we're back next week, I imagine we'll, we'll do that again. I think we're yeah. still trying to figure out a day where we can like record regularly. It might be Thursday mornings. Yeah. Um, I don't have a cause job. we tried, we did Tuesdays and then the cleaners came and that was a mess. And then Fridays I've actually got a, a standing, got a standing appointment now. in the morning. So yeah. We're figuring so, it out. We're going to get there. Yeah. We, but we are working, as you can tell, we are working to get much closer to a weekly show again. Um, and that is about it. Uh, so Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. thank you for sticking with us, even though times are really difficult. Remember to wash your hands, stay hydrated, and be good to one another. We'll see you soon.